on, Danny. How you doing? How you doing? I am your host, Jimmy Lewis. I'm supposed to be uh, interviewing uh, Justin Fox from Fox and the Red Hairs. We'll see if he shows up. This is them. This is them. This is their shirt right here. They they made me. (laughs) I have my own personal, like, shirt that they made me. I'm going to show it off. So yeah, I just showed the back of the shirt off. They just joined. I, I just showed the back of the shirt off. Because <laughs> anybody that, you know, makes me a shirt gets to, gets to have the honor of me sporting it. This is what I'm going to wear, wear it too when I'm playing shows. Right? Isn't it awesome? I love it. And, and my um, my license plate says Hurt 13 on it. One of my friends walked up to me and said, What's up, Hurt? I was so stoked. And now I have this, so... Yeah, this is Fox and Red Hairs. They're so good. I'll tell you. So, I was... I was uh, you guys are welcome to come in whenever you want. Um, I'm reading this book right now. It's uh, Lonely Boy by Steve Jones. And there's a part where he talks about, I think it's The Clash, when, when he sees The Clash and for the first time. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of, like, dual fighting in bands. But, uh, you know, Steve Jones is just talking about when he saw The Clash, they were basically, like, you know, kind of like how my band feels about them fox and the red hairs were like almost we should just join together and just make one big super band like mother fuck bone or whatever <laughs> anyways happy monday night i'm gonna try to do this show as much as i can this week because i'm on vacation and i should be relaxing but you know what's relaxing sitting here and watching uh, scary Marilyn Monroe documentaries that's what I was doing on Netflix right now it got right in the middle of the, the juice too and, uh, and now I'm here I hope all of you are doing well Antoinette anyways Fox Uh, you're you're welcome to come in whenever you want. 
so yeah I see, okay try to go in into um, there's like a button to the right hit that button when you see the camera and then then uh, starting your Tuesday here and that says that's fucking awesome I love it then that should lead you in so try that and if that doesn't work then I'll try you but we've had this problem before but just hit that little camera and that should you know it'll say that Fox wants in and then Tuesday that's so cool okay yeah here we go view request go live that's what we want that's what we want there we go howdy what's going on bro what's going on nothing much nothing much you know glad to be back on the show heck yes this is your fourth third fourth third fourth. It's the third i think it's the third time i fucking love it dude i love it <laughs> eventually if it gets bigger i want you to just be my co-host all the time you know <laughs> just uh, i'm just the guy in the chair that goes yeah <laughs> right this is Justin Fox, everybody, from Fox and the Red Hairs. Welcome, welcome. How y'all doing? Welcome. Fucking love it, dude. It's been too long since I've seen you. Uh, I, okay. Wow. So tell me. We'll just get right into it. Uh, Fox played a show recently at the Packing Yard. What's it called? The Packing... Packing, packing House. Packing House. Look, dude, I fucking follow you guys. Like, I really, Of course. How was that show, dude? How was that show? Um... Nerve-wracking. I mean, after uh, two years of not playing, being, you know, stuck inside, you know, it was uh, a little nervous. I was, I, you know, I've got kind of like a messed up leg right now because um, I pulled a muscle like a year ago and they're still trying to figure out what's wrong with me. So I was just like shaking nervously, you know, but um, once we started playing, it just all came back, you know, like, you know, just instinct muscle memory and just, just tore it up you know like we were all pretty nervous i mean jose was like ah like i was you know i think lucas was the only one who wasn't nervous because he was still playing shows like rockaways and you know copycats and stuff it was fine he's like oh this is gonna be great and we're like you know (laughs) sparks flying out of our heads but yeah it was a it was a great show after two years man it was a good start a, a good like a good new start for us and you know we've got a lot of a lot of stuff uh on the plate right now you know that's um coming up so, what are you doing? Tell me, tell me, tell me. That's my cat well, um, in the room. Stop it. Stop it. There you go. On. Let's oh see. Um, For real. Hold on. This this is real shit. Look at this. Stop. <laughs> Whatever is happening, stop it. Right? <laughs> dude, fucking cats, bro. I love them, but like, dude, they, the, the, the hairless one is so loud, and when you hear this scream, it's the highest treble shit you've ever heard in your life, where it's like, it just stops everything, and I can't fucking take it. But anyways, okay, so. Uh, so let's see, we got, um, um, we got, uh, um, to the, uh, the Witch's Brew, uh, Witch's Brew Los Angeles, if you're not following them, follow them on Instagram, you know, plugging them, uh, they do, uh, these, like, horror, uh art fests and everything uh we're going to be doing one at the escape brewery in redlands on may 21st and then they've got one on the 14th and in santa Ana. and it's amazing there's so many fantastic artists um 
One particular girl named uh, Mary, she's really good. I bought one of her prints of, uh, she did Mary Pickford, the old silent film actress, but she made her all creepy and like like her cat has two faces and everything. She does this work where like you, you look at it and you're like, that's cool. And then the more you stare at it, the more screwed up stuff you see in the photos and the, the artwork. She's really good. I, I wish I could remember her last name, but I mean, if, if, you, if anyone goes there, you'll still see her. She's a regular. Yeah. And um, uh, from what I'm told, everything. And... Um, yeah, so we're doing that. Um, it, uh, this the theme for it this or in May is uh, is uh, scream. So there's going to be like a lot of ghost face, um, you know, paintings and things like that. And, you awesome. know, so so that, that we're doing that. And then so um, perfect for the screaming that's happening right now. I'm not going to lie; like the cats are still fighting right here. One just screamed. I don't know if you heard it. It was just Wah! same shit, bro. Wah! <laughs> oh my god yeah i'm glad my cats are they don't really make noise when they fight they just chase each other and then you hear just da, 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 everywhere you know <laughs> oh yeah this one is a um the sphinx one is like a um the it's a rescue and so what they used the cat for was like it was a female to just breed and breed and breed so she just hates like male cats obviously <laughs> You know, it was just a whole bad experience. So now Mr. Magoo's a male cat, but he's the most, like, shy guy ever. But the other day, I caught him just fucking with the, with the paw up. And I was like, oh, you're kind of playing me, aren't you? You're acting like you're all innocent. But then as soon as I turn the back, you're fucking ready to smack the cat. And I'm like, <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's interesting to watch. You know, I, I, love, I love all animals, bro. They're fucking great. What's up, Julia? What's going on? You're not late again. What time is it in London right now? What time is it in London? Tell me. What time is it in London? I want to say, I can figure this out because I already know. Do you know? Let's see, Justin. Uh, um, is it 3 a.m.? Is it a five-hour difference? It's six. I'm going to say six. I will say, just because I know, like, she, it's funny because she's on, like, Southern California time. I'm on fucking London time just because I know, you know? Like, I, I talked to her some, see, like, 6, 10 a.m., bro. Like, look at that. Oh, my God. On it. The future. How does it feel living in the future? You know, like, did Elon Musk turn us all into replicants let, yet, you know? Are we, right. are we androids, you know? Like, and, like, and, and that, too, same thing. She's, like, I think she's uh, she's somewhere in Europe, too, so, like, I love that, like, we can communicate across the fucking planet, bro. Like, you know, time doesn't only exist. It only exists to the perception of you and I and where the fuck we're at in our life and our consciousness. And the fact that they're already into the next day is just crazy to me, you know, and we're still stuck in the past. It's a fucking <laughs> trip, dude. It's a fucking trip. <laughs> yeah, I love a... Uh, um... Like, what was it? I was telling my, my, my roommate, Kyle, I was telling him, I was like, one of these days, we're all going to be wrong. And it's just, we're going to find out, yes, the world is just on top of four elephants flying on a turtle through space. Right? <laughs> Dude, like, I just heard about this underwater uh, waterfall for the first time. And it's just like, I heard about it about a month ago, and I couldn't comprehend it, you know? And then, then like, my mind couldn't understand it. And now, like, my mind gets it, like... It's just like somewhere along the fucking world, there's some kind of riverway that's underneath the water that's so powerful that it's a goddamn like waterfall that's that's underneath the water. And there's just shit that is so crazy on this fucking planet that like it's hard to you know explain how rad it is. 
Yeah. It's like the, um, like underwater lakes. They're actually, they're like 50 times saltier than the ocean. And so when fish swim down in it, they get like basically toxic shock and they just, that's it. You know, like, like, what's up? You know, (laughs) like, that's, that's some like, like, you know, James Cameron, the abyss stuff, you know, like. Exactly. (laughs) I love it. Look at this animal right here. We can get it. Oh, shit. Okay. I was going to say my cat is. <laughs> so she's the rat. Okay. Are you guys recording any stuff soon? Are you doing any uh, recordings? I know you're doing live shows, but you got um, two well, albums out, right? Two albums? Yeah. And um, uh, we also, like I, uh, like I stated, um, we're actually, uh, uh, we got two more shows. Well, we're, we're setting up one for the 19th in June oh, in geez. Oakland. Uh, we're we're going to be oh. playing with. Uh, oh. uh, I forget. There's something like hex casket or ca- or cassette, hex cassette or cassette hex. Excuse me. And um, they're like a darker band. Uh, I still haven't checked them out yet. We're, we just started talking to them today because what we're doing on the seventeenth, uh, we were you know we've been we've been trying to play this festival for like five years, yeah. and it's called Lith- uh, Lithica Cascadia out in Washington, and um, it's like this. Folk metal, black metal, folky, gothy, hippie like thing that this guy does on his property. And I guess there's a river where people just go bathe in the river during the fest. You know, there's 60 bands playing. We're playing Friday at four o'clock. And so, uh, you know, we finally got that. And they were like, hey, you know, thank you. Yeah, we are so excited. And, um, you know, because we've been doing this for years. Then COVID, like, we were in talks of going and playing. COVID happened, couldn't do it. And so finally now, like, we're finally playing it. And so now we're like, oh, well, if we're already up there, while we're coming down, let's hook up another show in Oakland so, you know, some more friends can see us and stuff. Yeah. You know, living in Northern California. So, so we're doing uh, doing those two shows in June, you know, setting them up right now. We don't have a venue for the 19th yet, but we're working on it. Awesome. And um, uh, recording, um, we... Are still we're working on um, <clears throat> we're working on this one song that's kind of a little Led Zeppelin-y, uh, like not Led Zeppelin like hard rock, that more like you know, uh, the ocean or something or like you know a little. Uh, oh my God! You know when you you're trying to think of a heavy song breaks. and every song falls out of your head. Heavy breaks. <laughs> no, no, no. More like very atmospheric, ghosty. You know, it's it's called uh, the after and uh, nice. Like, like the beginning lyrics are beyond the body, a spirit remains. And then the background vocals go, welcome to the after. I'll join my ancestors, proud and brave. Welcome to the after. Shapeless shadows. Welcome to the after. Guide me onward. Fearless, I will go. Fearless, I will go. Witness. And then, you know, it says it one more time. And it goes in. Then, like, the ancient river calls out to me. Welcome to the after. I am all that was and will be again. Welcome to the after. Shapeless shadows. And then repeats. Like, it's, it's about accepting death and wanting to go wherever you go and being not afraid to go there. So, yeah. That's, dude, how do you put that in the song? You've done it. I love it. That's fucking rad, bro. Like, that, I think that's what the whole concept is. Uh, what's the one song, the Dylan song, that's like the greatest song ever, fucking uh, like a Rolling Stone. You know, that's what that song is, right? It's like trying to capture, you know, everyone's individual experience of what we're doing on this planet and what why we're here and what does it really fucking mean and it's hard for me like for me as a songwriter i I, it's too much like to put that kind of responsibility on it's too much so that's why i just stick with like fucking people like just like a name like someone's name i'll be like i like your fucking name or uh 
just something that's so more you know like the song that we were working on this week for two and a half hours in the fucking recording studio just kind of battling each other was this song called melissa's mind bro and, and that's my chick of course so like you know it's so when you create new music you know like as as the lead singer right as the cr lead creator you have this idea in your head of what the fuck it wants to sound like but then as soon as you get in the studio with all your buddies it turns into something completely different and it's either up to you to be like fucking i'm gonna go with this or i'm really mad you know and like for me like for the first two minutes you know like the first couple albums i've made i've always been mad but but now i just get to the point where i just release control and let everybody throw in their fucking two cents and dude by the end of that two and a half hours we were all like we just played laser tag or something you know like even though we were battling with each other like verbally and trying to figure these rhythmic patterns out it was still like people caring about this particular moment or creation that you know that that we've created and and just trying to you know, turn it into something tangible. And I think that's what songwriting is. It's really, you know, trying to fuck. But as a, as a fucking songwriter, do you find the same thing? Do you, do you, you know, how is it to, to start with the demo and then go into the studio with the fucking, with Fox and, and watch Lucas just fucking tear it up on the keys and just be like, where the fuck did that come from? I couldn't imagine. Like, I couldn't that's, imagine. That's actually where the after started. I recorded as a demo. And it still had like the morose stuff, but it was like some different lyrics, and um, and I kind of had like just mumble mumble lyrics on it, still trying to work them out. And it was more like it still had the the, the kind of atmospheric vibe, but it was a little more like surfy sounding. And so when we got in, like you know, because like even on our albums, it says you know songs written by Fox, but it says songs. Um, oh, what's the term here? Uh, Oh, Lucas is gonna punch me if I don't remember this. Uh, 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 basically, like I, I write the basic demo, and then when we get to the band, and the band says we're gonna change it up and make it this way, you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, what happens? Uh, so yeah, yeah. Sometimes it is a little like I don't want this to change, you know. Like last letter from Queensland originally was kind of faster and stuff, and then Lucas was like, "No, let's make this into like a sea shanty." I'm like, Arr. and then I'm like, "All right, you're right. This sounds fucking amazing, you know." And that's you know. So yeah. Uh, we're, work, I'm, I'm, we're working on uh, one, uh, <laughs> you know, another uh, a murder ballad uh, called Eliza, and it's about a guy who uh, he uh, he fall, he falls in love with this girl like on Christmas Eve, and then he 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 you know drowns her in a, a lake when it fro freezes over, you know, but she comes back and takes him into the lake with her, you know, and everything oh. at the end you find out, and. Um, then, of course, uh, you know, we made that music video, Last Ride, and we still haven't released it. I mean, my hair was this long on, when we made on. that video. I, I have to just interject. Like, dude, as for the murder, we're going back to the murder. I have questions in my head that, like, I've already predetermined, and I don't write them down anymore. I just know. And so one of them was like, okay, murder. You, you're all, you, you have several songs about murder. This is – my mind has changed. I played this whole song, Clouds, earlier, and, okay – Courtney Love, did she kill fucking Kurt or did she not fucking kill Kurt? Okay, this is, and I don't know if I even asked you this before. I might, and I'll probably ask you this every fucking show, you know, but what do you think? Because my shit has changed recently and, and things have changed. Like, like things have come out recently by the FBI that have made me go, oh, fuck. Okay. Well, I mean, well, like, I mean, okay, like, 
This one's a hard one because I don't want to say certain names and like I'm walking down the street and I get punched by a certain guy that used right. to live in Riverside, still might, but El Duce, you know, that he was a garbage human being, but he flat out said in an interview, blah blah Courtney Love paid blah 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 to blah blah blah. Yeah. And then he got hit by a train like a month later. And it wasn't just a month later, it was the day that he was that that, that movie was gonna be released. So the day that it was gonna be released like it fucking, it, that's when he died. So that was the convincing factor to me, right? Like that was the total convincing factor to me. Like I've watched then, several times, but, seen that several times. And then like what changed my mind recently is fucking, um, first of all, kind of like being older, right? Being an older man and looking at it, the, the kind of tail end of his life and seeing some of these videos where he was really fucking out of control on heroin. Like, like, dude, if you were that fucked up, believe me, I would take you and put you in a room somewhere and lock your ass up where you wouldn't be able to fucking see any kind of that shit until that was out of your system. You know, right. when I started seeing that, I started seeing, whoa. And then the fact that he really did, you know, what, a month before he was he supposedly did try to kill himself with some pills and ended up in that fucking hospital that the, you know, like as a fan, I don't want to believe he ever fucking did this. Right. And then all of a sudden the FBI just weighs in with all this shit with like, here's the gun that fucking did it. And here, yeah, it's extra long, but they're like, if you were to just take off, like, but here's the thing, this is where it gets complicated. Right. They're like, he would have had to take off his fucking shoes to fucking, to blow his head off. But yeah, I it's I've also read some comments, too, where people are like, that's not true. If you just have a long fucking arm, you can blow your head off. So, like, but for me, like, you know, I feel that, like, people are so gossipy and people are so, like, money-orientated. If someone, like, the El Duce fucking dude really did this and that guy fucking, someone would have talked, okay? And this is another thing. Like, time's gone by. Courtney Love's still around all these people, uh, still hangs out with, like, Dave Navarro, uh, hangs out with, like, people. Yeah, that, but I, I supposedly, know. I mean, like, the new stuff with, like, Francis's boyfriend where... Well, dude, see, you're bringing up a really good point. That was crazy shit, too. They tried to... Yeah, where he him. said... They tried to... Yeah, him. that court case is still going on. You're like... like so, ah, well, well, you know, well, people don't know. Okay, for the show, basically... Um, uh, Courtney sent uh, some people over to the ex ex's house because he had the the fucking Martin guitar that was like on the unplugged shit and that was like the the wedding gift okay and uh, these two people knocked on the door and they said they were police and fucking he opened the door and they just beat the shit out of him trying to fucking no well, no they tried to get him. But his roommate was there, luckily, and called the cops and said, these guys are pretending to be police officers. They're trying to take my friend. I don't know what's going to happen to him. Please get here. And they arrested the guys. And, and they, they were sent by Courtney Love to get that guitar back. And he escaped, right? He got out the back, I heard. So, like, so yeah, th this is crazy shit. <laughs> you know? Later on in life, James, if Fox the Red Hairs gets big, like, Courtney Love's going to attack me or something. Like, I got, I got no problem, Courtney. If you ever see this video or if this comes out of light, please don't come after me and... Just leave me alone. Oh, okay. you know my uh, one joke that I tell on stage, right? I only have one joke, bro. This is it. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you the joke. Okay, when I'm up on stage, this is all I say. When it when when the crowd's getting all fucked up, I just go, "Hey, does anybody know what band Courtney Love is in?" You know, and people will scream out, you know, the obvious. They'll be like, "Oh," and I'll be like, "No, the Killers." Put the
like straight up, dude, that's my joke. So like, Good night, I, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> I don't fucking care because like, dude, if she did like whatever, but like the older I get, I feel that she didn't. But like one of my close friends said to me, even if she didn't, she fucking drove him to it. And that was like a really fucked up point where I was like, damn, like that's yeah. crazy. So, you know, these are our fucking heroes. It's hard to really talk reality about our heroes. But like I said, they're also human beings. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look at um, um, one of the Judds uh, today. She yeah. she committed suicide, you know, after battling, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, depression and stuff for years. Like it's it, it's it's because a lot of people think like suicide is a young man's game. You know, it's yeah. a young person's game. But it's like, you know, no, she was, you know, in her 60s, I believe in you know, did this, you know, I mean, my stepdad, he, he shot himself with a shotgun out in the desert, you know, and he was, you know, pushing 60, you know, you it's, like, it's not a young person's thing, you know, you know, you never know. Yeah. You know it's, it's, it's a fucking scary thing. Like, I remember my mom telling me the first time, like, I was probably like 10 or something. And she's like, yeah, the guy down the street, like, like, committed suicide and I'm all what the fuck does that mean I didn't say what the fuck but I'm like this little kid I'm all what does that mean you know and take taking someone's life and like taking your own life and I'm like why would they want to do that like I didn't understand it but then when I hit the age of 15 then I understood it because life was getting so fucking hard that like I tried it like when I was like 15 you know and then yeah. when I was, again 31 or 33 I tried it again but like as the older I got like, the more I realized it was really a fucking selfish act. And the only reason I didn't really pull through with these things is because, yes, I wanted the pain to end. I was in a lot of pain, right? But I knew if I ended it, I knew that I would also leave the pain that I had with my mom, with my fucking the people that I cared about. So it's like, fuck, I just, you know, I, I, pay, I went through the depression and found music, obviously. And then music yeah. became the thing that fucking, you know... But then you See, start like, to find people like the Velvet Underground that it's like heroin and suicide. And all. It's all becomes a fucking crazy thing at one point. It all what, was it, uh, what was it? The, the guy who wrote um, um, High Fidelity, he said, uh, did I listen to pop music because I was depressed? Or was I depressed because I listened to pop music? You know, like, yeah. And, you know, it's like, I mean, I'll agree with you on some things on that. But, I mean, like, I'm, I'm one of those people that's like, if you're going to do it, at least leave a note and i mean if it's if it's if it's you it's your personal freedom to do it and everything you know but just you know be aware that this will affect other people but sometimes you gotta look and say you know what i'm not in their shoes and uh you don't know what they're feeling and like dude and that's why like honestly to be real no matter anybody like okay i i saw a jogger the other day that was like this dude that used to i run into all the time right long hair fucking jogger super cool dude I fucking spin around in my car, pull up next to him. I'm like, bro, I've been seeing you forever. How the fuck are you doing? You know? And he just looks at me. He's like, I'm okay. Like, he wasn't like, I'm fucking great. Like, he's like, I'm okay. And dude, I'm in the middle of traffic right next to my house. There's cars going by. And I'm like, what the fuck do you mean you're okay? I'm all, why aren't you great? Like, tell me what's going on. And then he starts telling me that, you know, there's drinking. He's been drinking and, and he's trying to fight this. He's fighting that. And then I, I clearly looked at him. I said, dude, here's my fucking number for real. And I called him. We called each other. And I go, if you ever need someone to listen to you, I'm fucking here. And that yeah. wasn't bullshit. It was the truth. Because, like, yeah. I've been in that situation. And if I knew that there was one person that was like, oh, somebody cares about me. One motherfucker cares about me. Then I'm good to go. That one person can lift you up and bring you out of your shit. <laughs> you know that's what yeah, it, it's like it's like if you like i tr i like 
been like really trying to do things like, like, you know, I bartend now and everything. And, you know, I'll tell people, hey, I really like your shoes. Or like, hey, I like that shirt or something like that. Because tiny little comments can bring people like they might be having a bad day. You know, they're coming in, you know, maybe they're just coming to have a drink because they just want a drink. Or maybe they're coming in because they're feeling depressed. So you give someone just a little quick com- compliment. Yep. And, you know, it might bring them out of what they're what they're feeling at the time. You know, like I, you know, like, like, a, you know, like the, the whole statement, like, I'm doing okay. Or like, I'm doing all right. Like, whenever you hear somebody say that, they kind of, it almost seems like they want you to ask, you know, yeah. like, because it's, you know, or they say, like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing good, you know, or something, you know, they, you know. But and, if when you someone... ask, and if you don't ask, and if you just blow them off, kind of like, you know, like, I could have taken two choices when that guy was just like, he's like, eh, I'm doing good. I could have gone, like, I'm a total douchebag here, bro, and this is how I'm doing. Or, you know, and, and that's what a lot of people tend to do, you know, but I think as you know back to this fucking steve jones book he puts it like this he's like people in you know people in bands they're they have different roles and usually um you know like the lead singer tends to be a more um feeling uh feeling role that like is like an asshole yes but they feel a lot more you know and he's like then he like everyone has their own fucking role and when i heard that i totally agreed with that i was like oh yeah like we are we can we tend to be assholes but we also tend to feel fucking a lot like we feel when people do this you know when that dude was like this i was like i felt that shit you know and and i don't know if that just goes with the territory does a drummer just go oh he went like this who fucking cares you know would jose just be like ah. <laughs> you know or you know whatever yeah with me, I always, I, like, I always, like, get paranoid people think I'm some, like, asshole lead singer because, you know, I have anxiety. And at a show, I'm already like, oh, God, we got to play this show. So when people try to come to me before the show, I'm like, uh-huh, how you doing? Blah, blah. I got to go over here now, you know, and, like, you know, run off. And, you know, after the show, I'm, like, catching my breath because I run around and go crazy, like, Iggy Pop. And then I'm like, okay, just, like, give me, like, 10, 15 minutes to catch my breath and I'll totally talk to you, you know, and... And then I talked to people, but then I started getting nervous. I'm like, I don't really know this person. I'm kind of uncomfortable because I don't know them. And they're asking me all these questions. And I'm like, I feel like, you know, the light's on my face. I'm like, look, I was here at this time. I have an alibi, you know, like, you know, I'm just like, yeah, music, it's great. Thank you for liking my band. Uh, like, I get super nervous, like, talking to people. But I try to fix that because it's like, well, you have to do this. You know, you have to talk to your fans and people who like your music and yeah. sign autographs if they want that or talk to them about merch or something or just talk to them about how, you know, like, hey, man, I really like that Queensland song. It really affected me. Like, you know, I had a guy one time telling like, you know, like, hey, I really like that song because, you know, I, I never get to see my, my you know, my, my, my kids, you know, this and this. And he was just like, you know, that song really affected me, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, dude, oh, thank you. Like, thank you so much. I'm, I'm sorry for what you're going through. What's He's like, no, I know. What's last, letter, last letter from Queensland. Are you swearing, swear to God? Yeah. Dude. I didn't. There you go. <laughs> They're serendipitous. We didn't fucking plan that, dude. See that? That's the universe. Like, that's. That's awesome. That's awesome. All the song you have like fucking two albums worth of shit. Like you know what I'm saying? Like the the chances of that landing right now and like I make the music for this, like I predetermined it. We have not talked about any of this. So dude, that that is just crazy. Like anyways, okay. So yes. So yeah, it's just like, you know, just you know, I, I try to make, you know, time for everybody and talk to them and you know, like, you know, but 
you know, like full disclosure at times, it is like, it's, it's absolutely nerve wracking, you know, to, to talk to people I don't know. Cause I'm just like, you know, but yeah, well maybe I'll have like a beer or something. And then like, I'm like, okay, now I'm starting to feel a little calm and my brain's not going a hundred miles an hour, you know? So, so yeah. So, but, um, but yeah, so, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to, you know, write some new songs. We got some things, like I said, we're working on and, uh, Things are going well. Yeah. I'll tell you this. So, so it's just refreshing because, like, back to the book. You know, there was there part where like these these like Sid Vicious and Johnny Rotten, they 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 didn't know when to be like they were always on. You know what I'm saying? Like they were always on. And I kind of feel like like you and I are kind of like the fucking opposite of, of like always on. We're kind of like always off. Like. You know, like the more you try to make like something like a Sid Vicious, like oh you're this fucking badass person, like it 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 really maybe at that time it worked, but I feel that like you're creating and believe me, I I have a stage persona. When I'm up on stage, I'm definitely different than the fucking person that I am off. But I'm not gonna walk around like going up to people with that intensity and like all that crazy shit because I really once I come off the stage I'm no longer that fucking person it's all kind yeah. of like an act you know yeah yeah exactly well you know me I'm up on stage and I'll get my eyes all like this and get the creepy song that bite at people and like you know like snake handler preacher kind of thing and then right when I'm off stage I'm just like so how's everybody doing blah blah I'm really friendly how you doing or I'm like uh you know like you know like <laughs> Or you're sticking cookies in my mouth, dude. Like, <laughs> fucking stuck some cookie in my mouth one time. Like, right when we first met, and I fucking, Lucas is just like, dude, that's how he is, bro. That's like, that's a good sign. And I'm like, I know. I could tell. Like, it was a really good sign. And then, and that was the thing I was saying before, like, uh, before you got on the show, like, you know, um, when the Sex Pistols were touring with The Clash, like, they were talking about how they, you know, so many bands, they had this, this, um, you know, you have this fight against, you know, and then when they sound, when they found, when he found a clash, he was like, oh, he found family. And it was like, that's how I feel with Fox and Red Hairs. Like all of us, we just found this extended fucking family, you know, and that's yeah. different with any other band. I don't have that with any other fucking band. I'll tell you the truth, you know, and I don't know. I, and like I said, the first time I saw you guys walk in, I was like, fuck, I felt that competition, but I also felt like intrigued and like, then, like, I remember you guys had your shit together so much, like, with your merch and just fucking everything. I was, like, taking mental notes. <laughs> like, I'm, like, duh, 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 swear to God. And, like, you know, like, that was that was us fucking seven, eight years ago, bro. Like, yeah. that was scary. Time is going by fast. And I think this is one thing I can say. Any band that has made it past the pandemic, you know, has chances to succeed in fucking anything. And really... Well, it, yeah, it's, it, it's nuts, James. Like... Like, I really feel that, like, during the pandemic, you know, like, people had to, like, rely on, you know, like, uh, media, when I mean media, not, like, news, I mean media, like, anything, streaming sites, you know, YouTube, things like that, to see bands, to see music, to hear music, and it really seems like now that the pandemic is, you know, it's, I mean, we're still in it, but it's loosening up a bit and getting, you know, a little better, you know, like, I've I've seen people going to shows now. Like people want to see live music. They yeah. want interaction now. I mean, before the pandemic, you you'd, you'd have a show and maybe like five people would show up or something. You know, ten. You're like cool, but I mean, um, 
the, the woman that uh, she uh, she uh, does the uh, Inland Empire goth uh, Facebook, Instagram, and stuff. Like I, I hit her up about playing shows, and then I went to a goth club. I hadn't been out in years, and I, I was like, I'm I'm going out. I'm going out. So I went to the, the goth night down in Riverside. And I overheard her talking about this goth magic mountain show. And I was like, hey, you know, I, I actually just hit up the promoters for that, blah, blah. And she's like, that was me. And I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah, that was me today you were talking to. It's, th- th- wow. we were destined to meet tonight. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we've been talking and yeah, and yeah, exactly. And then like, so when we played on Saturday, uh, I looked up, you know, because it was kind of like not a lot of people there. And I'm like, okay, it's going to be a very personal show, you know. And I looked up, and there was all these people there all of a sudden. Like, these gothy punk rock people were there. And I was like, who are, I don't I don't recognize these people. Like, yeah. who are they? And I guess apparently they went because I posted on the the, uh, the Inland Empire goth uh, Facebook page that our band was playing. And, they sh- and it was amazing. And if any of you are watching, like, right now, like, thank you very much for showing up. We really appreciate it. It, uh, it really made me feel very good about still doing music, you know, like. That's all. Even if one person shows up. We played this show in Irvine, and we were playing it, like, um, like annually. So this guy was paying us, like, a lot to do it. But, like, it was almost humiliating. Like, okay, so, like, dude, like, we played it the first year, and this guy's like, dude, we're going to fucking pack the place. It's going to be, like, like fucking Lava Palooza, you know? And I'm like, okay. And I show up, and there's, like, no, there's nothing, dude. It's a, an empty field, like a baseball park, okay? And the guy's just like, well, you have, like, a PA and all that stuff, right? And I'm like... Fuck. Then I'm like, You're late. people up. I need a PA get over here now. And like, I think Sky at the time did. So we we did well the first year. Then then the second year, I, I remember like, um, uh, like we had like, I told one person about it. I told one person about it, you know, because I thought this dude was like, dude, I'm gonna pack it. You're don't even you don't have to tell anyone. So I didn't fucking tell anybody, right? I tell one person, and this guy Aaron from like my delivery route from my job. He shows up and fucking, and then him and his wife show up and it's just hurt the heartbeat out in the middle of the baseball field all by ourselves looking like a bunch of fucking idiots, swear to God. And we're, we're going like crazy. And it's just like, I feel ridiculous. And he's looking at me and I'm looking at him like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. But he showed up and I'll never forget that. Well, that's cool because then you never know. Like he might show up to every show now. Like I, I always love the story about Oasis right that oasis was like a pub band you know when they started you know and they they play these pubs and little venues and then when they became like oasis a lot of their original fans hated going to their shows because like we miss being able to just see them with like a group of 20 people and like they wouldn't go to the big shows because like nah like whatever so it's funny you get this this change of like people that are like no i i miss when you guys were just my band and then you're like yeah but it happens no doubt no doubt like came from anaheim so like dude like i used to see no doubt when they were like they play all the time and they were like growing up in high school around like anaheim it was just like dude you'd see no doubt and they were your band they totally were your band and then all of a sudden they were like the biggest fucking thing ever and it really was like this whoa what happened you know and yeah it was a trend, so I totally get that. Look, what does Julia said? You're cool too, Julia. She says, I've met Liam Gallagher. That is fucking awesome. That is awesome. I have not. I have not. Not even <laughs> close. <laughs> not even close. He wouldn't like me at all. Believe me, I'd be a wanker. He'd call me a wanker. 
I remember hippies. I uh, like speaking of being like famous people. There's a there's a I've only fanboyed out on like a couple people. Like I've met like like I met Doc Hammer. You know, helped create the Venture Brothers, and we talked about like uh, Klaus Nomi and you know Bowie and Iggy and everything. Like real great conversation. I gave Ron directions. So I hope he doesn't, you know, like I, that guy I met at Comic Con one of these days, you know. Yeah. Um, but I remember, uh, like, I met Tom. Well, I met Tom Jane. I was at uh, the Hyatt for Comic Con one year, and Tom Jane was just sitting by himself at the bar, and no one was talking to him. And I was like, "That's the Punisher. That's Tom Jane." Like, and I asked the bartender, "I'm like, is that Tom Jane?" And she was like, "I, I don't really know." And, and I was like, "I want to buy him a shot of Jameson." So she walked over, gave him the shot, and I saw them kind of talking, you know, her telling. And she looked over at me, and he kind of waved me over. And I went like this. I was like, no, I, I just wanted to buy you a shot. I love your movies, blah, blah, man. He's like, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm like, you know, you have a great one. And, and that was it. But when I met Malcolm McDowell, I was like, uh, uh, like, I just turned into, like, this, like, 14-year-old kid. Because my friends at the time were like, I was like, where'd you get these Malcolm McDowell's? photos he's like he's signing right there and i just saw him he was just sitting by himself looking around i was like and they had to push me like a mom like go talk to ronald mcdonald it's okay you know like and i walked over to him and he looked up at me i was like you know, mr mcdowell i just want to tell you like you know you've been an inspiration for me to be, want to be like a, a you know a, a, an actor you know i love you play villains so well and and, and i just, can I, I don't have money to buy a print but can i just shake your hand and he's like thank you my son thank you and i just felt like pixie dust fell on me and i floated away to neverland i was just like malcolm mcdowell said my son and shook my hand and i just ran off like i, I literally ran off like a little kid like <laughs> like embarrassing <laughs> you know yeah no that's right and i was like 29 wow. when this happened i was like a, i was 29 and acted like a four-year-old just ah you know like I think, like, and, and that's the same sad thing, like, because when we get older, that starts to fucking wear off a little bit. It really does. Like, when I was younger, even even in my 30s, definitely, like, I I would get starstruck, you know? And now, like, I think just, just from being alive longer, you're more impressed with just every fucking day people than, yeah. you know, like, I'm impressed with... The person on the fucking drives the bus every or the street sweeper every fucking day that that guy's out there at three a.m. I am more impressed by that guy than I am by Eddie Better. You know, I, <laughs> I think it would be funny though. I will I will admit this. Full disclosure: there are two actors that if I met, I would just sweat nervously. One one is Kurt Russell. I'd just be like, like, dude. I used to tell my mom jokes that like. You and her hooked up, and she forgot. And I'm, you're really my dad, you know, like jokes. And then I always said Clancy Brown. I'm like Clancy Brown. That dude's my uncle. I would tell people that and be like, No, I'm just fucking around. He's not really my uncle. You know, the Kurgan. You know, uh, Mr. Krabs. He was in that movie with that Frankenstein movie, The Bra. I mean, Clancy Br voice at Lex Luthor, the voice of Lex Luthor for years. Like, I don't know why, but I just like he's one of those celebrities that's not really big. But I'm just like starstruck by him. I'm just like your voice, that then you know the Kurgan is better the bird out than the fade away, you know, kind of voice. Like just, you know, because I got a raspy voice. I'm like, you, you're awesome, man. You know, like ah, you know, like so. Yeah, I would probably just be like, I say that I run away. Starstruck. I wouldn't get starstruck, but like you know, just the ideas of certain people do rush through my head, and just the people that you really do love growing up. You know, uh, 
you know, Vincent Gallo, you know, fucking Buffalo 66, uh, Brown Bunny and all that shit. Like what, what came to my mind was the chick that's really hard to work with, uh, fucking girl in, in Buffalo 66, uh, cute one. Uh, I forget. Anyway, anyways, uh, I remember her. What's that chick's name? She gets kidnapped. Fucking. But anyways, I. I Christina Ricci? Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Totally. That's what popped into my head. Like, I would be fucking a little starstruck if I saw Christina Ricci. Like, but I seen, I met Vincent Gallo one time in, in this really awkward exchange, and some girl flipped me off. He happened to be right behind me with John Fushante. And I turned around and looked at him and said, Women, you can't live without them. You can't live with them. You can't live with them. You can't live without them. And then these girls that they were with, because they, of course, they're fucking rock stars and, and actors and whatever, started laughing. And then at that point, fucking, I knew I was in. And they're just like, what happened? And I'm like, dude, this is what happened. This chick that I was in a relationship with fucking asked me if we were going to get married, right? Dude, fucking John Fushante and Vincent Gallo are right behind me. She knows how much that I like them, right? And she's asking me this bullshit. And then all of a sudden, fucking, I look at her, I go, Embarrassing, I, yeah, I can't answer that right now. And then she just stands up and she goes, I've told the story before. Fuck you, James Lewis. Fuck you. And then this is in the middle of a Yoko Ono concert, by the way, where there's like not a lot of people. Mike Watts over there. Fucking like wow. all just celebrities. Benicio Del Toro's in the lobby. Fucking and she flips me off and takes off. And I have to explain this to John and fucking Vincent because they're right behind me. How can I not? But as I would have had a panic attack. Oh, <laughs> like Dude, it was my perfect way in. And then I talked to them for like 15 minutes. We all wrapped out about it. And then that's when she fucking, she texts me, Benicio's in the fucking lobby. And then me, an idiot, I love Benicio because he's in Star Wars and fucking everything else. I walk out in the lobby and I try to be cool. He's taller than me. I'm a tall motherfucker. And I walk by him and I try not to talk. Like I try not to like approach him. And as I do that, I walk right into a wall. And he, swear, Justin, swear. I walk into a wall and he looks at me and he, he goes like this. And then he's all, how's it going? How's it going? And we started <laughs> talking because, like, you know, I was, like, obviously starstruck. That's how starstruck I was. I walked into a fucking wall. So, like, I don't know, man. Like, I say that I wouldn't be, but. Yeah, you know, it depends. Sometimes you, you just go. I mean, I love I love um the story of uh, Joe. I'm going to say his name wrong. I know it. Magnolero. Yes, I'll. I'll be corrected later. But I love that he was at some big Hollywood party. You know, he's, he did True Blood. You know, how, he was on How I Met Your Mother. You know, he did all these things. And he saw Pee Wee. And he was like, oh, my God, is that Pee Wee Herman? And he ran up to him at this Hollywood party. He's like, oh, my God, Paul Rumors. I was a big fan when I was a kid. And Paul Rumors was like, oh, okay, cool. He's like, oh, my God, you know, like, I just want to tell you I love you. He's like, all right, well, you want to exchange numbers and go watch movies at my house? And he was just like, oh, my God, yes. And they became best friends. And that's why he's in the new Pee Wee movie, because, like, he was like, I would love to be in a Pee Wee movie with you. So they, they kind of threw ideas at each other of what the new Pee Wee movie should be. And that's why he's in it as Pee Wee's best friend, because they're actually, like, really close friends now. And that blows my mind. Like, you know, some people be like, yes, thanks. You, you have a great night. But no, he was just like, all right, cool. You know, like. And because of that, like, Pee-wee became a, a household name again, you know? Like, so it, it was really cool. A new generation of kids and, and, of course, us, like, got to see a new Pee-wee movie that we thought would never, ever happen again. You know, oh. it, it was 
just because somebody got really excited to meet him at a party. That's really cool. So I, I always like those stories because it's always like, it's not like, man, you know, blah, 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 the movie came out because of cash and this or blah. It was like, no, these two people came together and helped each other out, you know? So. I would be really starstruck by Paul Rubens PV. Like, <laughs> like, I just would be like, I grew up watching fucking PV's Playhouse as a kid, probably you did too. And it was like, so fucking bizarre waking up Saturday. It was like drugs, dude. It was like it was like drugs for kids. Like those are the first time where I'm like, dude, I'm on drugs. I'm watching Pee Wee just doing the craziest shit ever. Fucking, you know, this dude, I forget who it is. It's a famous actor that like comes out with a cowboy hat and he's like Oh yeah, that's uh, Lawrence Fishburne, the Lawrence Matrix. Fishburne's just fucking Yeah, he was cow cowboy Dan, cowboy <laughs> Curtis, cowboy Curtis. Yep, and then yeah. The genie with the mecha lecha high, mecha chiny ho, all that shit, dude. It was fucking like being on acid when your brain wasn't fully developed. You know, when you're yeah. 12 or whatever age you are, when you're watching that, it fucked me up. I loved it. It was great. I love a. I, I had this uh, funny about like how we discuss like when you get older, like you start kind of losing these things. Like, you know, when you're a kid and you play with, like, your G.I. Joes or, or any action figure, you have in-depth stories of every one of these characters that you will remember. Yeah. And then when, as you get older, your imagination towards that kind of world kind of goes away a little bit, you know? And I, I recently, uh, you know, I bought a Switch during uh, COVID because I was like, if I'm going to be stuck indoors, I got to do something. And I was like, you know what? This is the first video game system I've ever actually wanted in like a decade. So I got it, you know. And it was funny, like, I eventually got the Mega Man collection. Because when I was a kid, I beat every Mega Man game. That was, that was my game. It was, you know, my hero, you know. And I tried to play these games again, and they are so hard. You know, I'm luckily, now we have a rewind. So if you fall into a pit, you just rewind. You can do it all over again. But I was like, how did I beat these as a kid? I, how did I have the patience as a child? But I, I kind of started thinking about it. It's like, it's because when you're a kid, you're not playing a video game. You're the video game. You're Mega Man trying to save the day. And you will play for hours to beat it. Because in your mind, you have to be the hero. You know, so like very interesting to think about when you want that you want that gold plaque at the end you want to see the ending like dude i'll be honest uh i'm a fucking huge video game nerd uh i have the switch i have ps5 i'm on vacation this week uh i'm gonna be doing the show all week long but also i like as i was moving around my my screen and everything for this show i knocked over a whole bunch of ps5 games and and PlayStation fucking, um, uh, what was it? Final Fantasy VII, okay? I, I have the newest version of that, okay? But this is a remake. So when I first started working at UPS, uh, I, I, like, got the PlayStation 1 or 2, whatever it was. I think it was PlayStation 1. And I, I was brand new at UPS, and I started fucking Final Fantasy VII. And, dude, when I started playing with it, I got so sucked in, and I'm 21, so sucked 19 19 so sucked in that like here comes like monday right i've been playing it all fucking weekend long monday comes i'm like dude i don't want to do this i call in sick because i want to fucking play final fantasy 7 i called in sick like two days in a row because i needed to beat Sephiroth. literally i and it takes x amount of hours like it takes like 40 to 50 to 60 hours to beat Sephiroth. i'm ready to do that this vacation because i found that because of the whole show tonight so before i, I do 
I usually just watch Star Wars fucking from start to finish all the way through. But now I'm going to beat Sephiroth. So I totally get it, dude. Yeah. It's like that, that determination to keep going as a kid, you know, yeah. you'll get that reward. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like when I beat, like when, when, when uh, Eris dies in Final Fantasy VII, I cried when I was I was seventeen and I had the I was God. bawling my eyes God, out, right? you, know? you know. And then uh, like, and even like Metal Gear Solid, like I failed to like you know get out of the the electrical thing, and it's like Meryl dies. I literally restarted from that old save point so Meryl would win because I'm like, no, I'm not gonna let her die, like you know, like. You know, because you're just invested. That you are that character. You know, I still it's like that character. I still fucking am. Even being my age, dude. Like for real. Like that shit hasn't changed with me. Like uh, Fallen Order, which is like the the Jedi latest one. They're gonna have Fallen Order two, but Fallen Order one uh, for like PS4 was so fucking badass, dude. And it was like it was kind of a. It wasn't like you weren't in a virtual world. But it was just more or less like you were just developing your own, you know, fucking powers. And by the end of it, you're just this badass Jedi that can fucking force throw everybody and almost glide. And it's so fun, bro. Which, bringing up Star Wars, I mean, that scene with Bill Burr and Mandalorian, you know, where he's, they're talking about Project uh, Incinerary and everything. And he gets that, the PTSD look, you know, and like just... Yeah, you know, it's like, but remember, now they're going to open us with open arms. He's like, yeah, and you shoots the guy, and you're like, whoa! Like, you're like, hold on, did Bill Burr's character just become one of the greatest Star Wars characters in history now? Never like, a guy who talks crap on Star Wars is now one of the greatest Star Wars heroes ever? You're like, like... And he's very believable. It's, it's, he's so perfect for that. It's like, and who saw that coming, you know? And it's a really good role for him, because it's not... His typical, you know, it's not his typical Bill Burr. Like there is, yeah. a, there's a, there's a typical Bill Burr. Well, know? of course, the infamous line: "He was the best sniper in the Empire." That doesn't say much. I wasn't a stormtrooper, wise ass. You know, like I laughed so hard when he said that because I was like, "Yeah, that's what someone would say." I'm not. A, I wasn't a stormtrooper. I was a sniper. You know, like it's just he he owned it and it was funny that. He was only supposed to be on that one episode, but people loved his character so much. Uh, Mayhew, Mayhew, they were like, hey, we want you in season two. He's like, are you sure? And they're like, and it's like he has his own action figure now. Like, you know, (laughs) like, it's insane. I love it, you know, so. I see my friend Tony out there. What's your name, Tony? What's your name? I got it. I got it. I got a friend. His name's Tony. I'll be right back. I got to let my cat out. Hey, Charge. What's your name, Tony? What's your name? Oh, oh, <laughs> tutors. Nope. Cat problem. Tutor, 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 tutor. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, can't you got no. We're gonna be about cats and musicians. What's your name? I'm on vacation, Tony. So I'm doing my show all week long. Hopefully not to piss off my neighbors. Oh shit! It's already ten fifty six. Cats and musicians and Fox and the Red Hairs were coming up on the kind of end because I know at uh, 11 o'clock they might shut me down because we only go an hour, you know? They let me go a little longer before, you know? Like I was allowed to go a little longer, but just warn everybody. 
So, okay, I'm just going to break this down. I see that we're at 10.56. Okay, I don't know what's going to happen pretty soon, but, like, usually the way this has worked before is at uh, 11, it'll give me a two-minute warning. but like, And then, it, like, it'll be like, it's got to end. But, like, it didn't happen last week. So I'm just wondering if maybe this platform changed the way that they're doing the live shows. And if so, we can fucking just go as long as we want, you know? Yeah. I, I think they might have because, like, TikTok, you know, TikTok used to be, like, two minutes. Now yeah. it's ten-minute videos. You can or do 13. ten minutes on yeah, 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 totally. So I think oh. they kind of prefer it. They want the whole stream. So, like I said, if we've got to wrap it up, we will. But if I don't see that two-minute – like, I went 63 minutes last week, so, you know – I, I'm, we're not done, you know. Yeah, I, I, I don't really have anything to do. I know a couple of my friends want to role play tonight, but like, I don't even know if that's happening. So I'm, yeah, I'm cool. what, what do you play? What do you play? Uh, we play a bunch of different games. Like, we have three different D and D games, and then we have this one. <laughs> Lucas, uh, my keyboardist. Thank. Oh, by the way, just thanks everybody for joining and watching in the show for James. Everyone, give it up for James. Just doing a fantastic job. Right. You know. You now. Man, I love your show, and I love I love what you do. And um, you, bro, I love your band, and I love what you do. I, I'll be I'll real be real honest with you. You have a great fucking voice, dude. Like like what makes it or breaks it for me is a is is a voice, right? But you know, believe me, there's there's like Jello Biafras and 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 other people. But like when I hear a voice that's pleasant to me, I, it makes the song so much like more uh, intriguing to listen to. You know, kind of like Jack White. When you hear Jack White, he's got a fucking great voice too. Like I want, I want to listen. I want to hear what he says. But when someone's, hey, got you got a, yeah, but you got a great voice too. And you know, that's why I always love like, anytime we play together, I always love making the joke that like, if you guys go on first, excuse me, I'm always like, cool. You've got the crowd like in a loving, good feeling mood where everybody's like you know, camaraderie, brotherhood, brotherhood, everything like that. And then I'm like, and now we're going to depress them and make them feel crazy. <laughs> or if we open, we're like, we're going to make everybody depressed and crazy and hurt and heartbeats going to be like, hey, don't worry. That was just the second arc. You know, the good guys are going to win. Hurt and heartbeats coming on. It's going to have a happy ending. It's going to have a happy ending, you know, like, so. Oh, I can't wait to play again, bro. Like, seriously, like, we're, we're fucking uh, – I, my, my band doesn't really listen to this show, so I can say what's going to happen. Uh, like, we're recording our first album, uh, fourth album right now, and we're probably going to be done with that in, like, fucking, uh, like, three months. But, like, I don't even care about playing shows. Then I'm going to just rush into the fifth album, like, instantly. No, sh I'm probably going to do, like, no shows and then just fucking fifth album. So fourth, maybe one show, maybe two shows in between. That's about it. And then just stay in the fucking studios like the goddamn Beatles in, in you know, the, their later years. Because I'm at the point where, like, I'm still a little freaked out of being around people, man. Like, I really am. Because I did get COVID, and then I had a vaccination fucking problem. And, and it's just, dude, I'm still cooped out. Like, I really am. Like, I, I'll probably still wear a mask. I don't know what the fuck's going to happen. So I feel like once I get more towards the end of summer or when it starts to really start fucking cooking when it's super fucking hot then i'm kind of like i'll come out more because i know that like things don't really you know thrive in the heat as much yeah so I, right now it's like fucking freezing you know so i'm like i'm over that shit and i'm still like i'm still a wimp of that old pandemic it's like almost ptsd from from fucking from covid which is sad but i 
I got like it was weird with me, like because I lived by myself. You know, Kyle would come over. You know, a couple of my friend Jacob, and I would literally have a bottle of aloe vera and rubbing alcohol and be like, "Take off your shoes, spray their shoes, spray their hands, and go go wash your hands now." And everything like I was because you know I have um I have six bronchial tears in one of my lungs, and that's why I vape now because I smoke cigarettes all through my life. And my doctor was like, "You need to quit smoking." I'm like, "Yeah, I know." He's like, "No." We're going to take half or your whole long if you do not quit smoking. And this was the only thing that stopped me from smoking. You know, my doctor's like, no, your lungs are fine now. Like, your lungs are fine. I'm like, vaping's okay. He's like, apparently, you're fine. Go ahead and vape. And I was like, ow. So, yeah. But, like, I knew that if I got it and I got it bad, like, I got six tears in my lung. Like, I I probably wouldn't have made it. You know, I probably would have been on a ventilator and that would have been it. You know, like, so I was very paranoid about COVID. I was, I was scared to death of it, you know, because it was just like, no, I, I'm not doing this, you know, like, yeah. you know, like, so, you know, I did take one chance because, you know, my mom, she had, a she had developed dementia and uh, I was like, man, you know, my grandma only lasted two years. And so I was like, I'm going to fly out to Oklahoma and see my mom. I masked up, every, wore a mask ever. It was Thanksgiving. Like, even my brother was like, oh, come meet my friends. And I'd, like, shake their hands and walk off because I was like, I'm not going to be around these people. Yeah. You know, especially some of these Oklahoma people that were like, I don't believe in vaccinations. And they're all partying with each other still. And I'm like, you know, oh, you know, like, yeah. you know. But, you know, I was like, no, I, I got to see my mom. I got to see her. And it was it was a, it was a really good time, you know. It was, it was like one of the last times I saw her, you know, before she passed. You know, I saw her uh, twice, you know. And then the last time I saw her, I was already inoculated, inoculated, and you know, boosted and everything. So, but yeah, like it, that, it was it was a scary time. Like, and it's weird because like I was always the social butterfly, like wanting to go out and be around people. And then living alone for like a year, I got comfortable with it. Yeah, yeah, like. Yeah. Like, I have two roommates now. I love them to death, you know. But there's some times where I'm just like, I kind of just want to live alone again. And like, oh, hey, let's go out. And because you became so accustomed to, like, just you with a couple people, now it's like, this is tiresome to be around people or anxiety or something, you know. And it's weird to, to go from someone that wanted to be around people constantly to becoming someone who's just like, I'm just kind of cool hanging out with a couple friends and watching a movie, you know, like is that is that age or is that pandemic you know what i'm saying a little bit of both a little yeah. bit of both a little salt that, and pepper you know <laughs> like i don't know like I, I really don't fucking know you know part of me feels like you know i feel that the psd is definitely a pandemic but but also i see memes all the time saying well i, I do the same thing i'm i'm, I'm in my 40s i'm sitting around on the couch sticking fucking al bunny and not doing shit i get that now when i was younger i didn't get that you know, so like, I just think that we're, we definitely have different stages of our life. And, and I think that, you know, for me, I'll get over all that shit. And eventually I'll be playing yeah. those again. But like, you know, we have a 21 year old guitar player that is just like the best fucking thing you've ever seen, bro. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, I, I told the I told him the other day, I, I quit. Like, I'm not even fucking playing guitar anymore. Just let him play. Right. And, and like, I know he wants to play shows. And that's that's the reason I would play shows because I know that I, I'm not just going to keep this kid in the studio and have him fucking work his ass off, create all this good shit where he doesn't get the chance to deliver. Yeah, for nothing. But for yeah, me. to not to, to entertain. I mean, yeah. we are entertainers. That's that's what we do. That's Song what we and dance man. Live. Song and dance. Yeah, man. exactly. Yeah. As fucking as Bob Dylan would say, 
you know? Well, it's funny that you mentioned that. I told uh, Lucas the other day, because one of our friends, uh, Ava and the Vagabond Tales, uh, she started a swing band, you know? And I was, like, so jealous because I was like, I've always wanted to be a big band leader where you, like Sinatra or something, where you make jokes, like Dean Martin, you make jokes, and then you play another song, then you talk a bit, you know, like... Song and dance, man. You know, song and dance, man, you know? And I was like, I can't really do that with the hairs, right? Well, especially right now, because, you know, it's like, oh, you have a 30-minute set, you know? And you get bigger, you can kind of do that. But, uh, you know, like, even with the hairs, it's, like, cool, but I've always just, like... No, I just want to do like swing covers and stuff like that, and be the the dancey guy, Slip you know. Into the bridges, slipping into the bridges. That's what I do. So like, I like a couple of our songs. Like all of a sudden, I get all Dean Martin like that. I'm like, like all of a sudden there'll be a bridge to like dreadlock, and all of a sudden I'm just like, so whatever topics happening in the world, you know, I'm just like, so you know, all of you out there thinking about the Ukraine and not doing shit about it, you know, like just. You know, making it awkward right in the bridge. And then, you know, cause people don't know what's happening anyways when the bridge happens. So, no. but, you know, <laughs> that's my trick. <laughs> um, let's see. What was it? Oh, damn it. I had something to say about that. Um, Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan. Um, stage performance. Uh, yeah, like, um, yeah, it, it, I just love that, like, like, I always say, like, it's the James Lewis where you do the, like, you've got this weird, awkward lean you always do when you, like, go into something, you're like, and you get, like, super, in, like, almost like an Elvis Presley, like, singing a gospel song thing that you do when you, like, you know, get in the moment. And I'm always like, oh, he's about to do the James Lewis. He said, ah, I did the James Lewis. He did the James Lewis. And like, you know, always about to do the superhero landing, you know, in Deadpool. She's going to do the superhero landing. That's so bad for your knees. You know, like. Yeah, I'm like, he's going to do the James Lewis. He did, and there it is. There's the James Lewis. Woo! Well, you, know, like, you, got your, you got your signature moves too, bro. Like, like, and I've learned from you, and this is true. Like, uh, and I've said it before. Like, you know, when uh, you're in a verse and, and it's kind of just like, it'll be gentle. It'll be gentle. And, like, you know, you're, you're, you're telling your story. And then all of a sudden, you'll go into the fucking to the, to the chorus. And then I'll see you just kick on this fucking whatever pedal you're, you're getting on. And then all of a sudden, it just changes. Like, Here's the level of, like, this is what I learned. Here's the level of sound, and then all of a sudden you kick it in for the fucking chorus, and it's like, boom, it's all of a sudden up here. And then it, like, forces people to listen because of the dynamics. And, like, I always knew about dynamics, but seeing it in person, and then and then you'd come out, and then all of a sudden you, the pedals back into the, to the commie shit, and then back in the chorus, back up again. Like, it was fucking awesome. And that's what, you know, like, I learned from that you know and that's from playing around people that are better than you and and at that time you know watching we're equal we're equal no better we're equal oh bro. <laughs> i i love i love fucking watching you guys and then this way you stomp and then also another thing like dude we had practice the other day and i said this too i go i go okay we were talking about a bridge i go okay i want the build you know like the jose build like fox like fox and the how they start to build and build and build and like fucking like they all knew what i was talking about because you know like you guys have like some really cool signature shit that like you know it's fun to watch and makes it entertaining on all fucking levels where like for me as a music listener it's either you have to decide whether you like it or you don't you know because it's all it's perfectly put together there's nothing wrong with it you know so you have to just make the decision do i like it or not and that's really just art in general you know so like like it was it was cool that like you know again like you know we hadn't played for two years and it was just nerve-wracking and you know there was a point where i was kind of like 
like, okay, we're going to play these festivals and stuff, you know, but I started feeling kind of like, do I really want to keep doing this? You know, like, uh, just, it's band practice, you know, shows, this and this and this. But once we played that show, I immediately was like, no, I'm back. This is, I, I got the good feeling again. I'm in the good place again. Yeah. And like Kyle, you know, uh, you know, he's my roommate, one of my best friends. We were driving and talking and he was just like talking about like you know live you know like dude you guys are so great live and the th he's like the thing is you're better live than you are on your albums like your albums are good but like when you guys play live it's so solid and tight and this and this and i was like you know it's funny that's not the first time i've heard like stuff like this was like fox and the red hairs is a good band to listen to but they're a great band to see live it's not like vice versa where it's like i like to listen to weezer on cd or but i don't like them live can, or something. I, can I interject because i don't oh, know no, fucking problems okay of course uh i since we're recording now what i'm doing right now is you know we I said we worked on that song for two and a half hours. Why? Because we're gonna make it so like fucking tight that I don't want to do it how standard people track, right? You know the the fucking drum track, the guitar. Like I don't want to do that. So we recorded stage one, which is in Laguna Hills, and the first time that I ever made a record, I had this guy Rob from um, Dead Man's Party. It's an Oingo Boingo tribute party. Uh, yeah, I know that band. Yeah, yeah fucking dude, he just set up all these like like different fucking contraptions to where like the drums were blocked off my guitar was dropped like blocked up and we tracked mother fucking live so dude and then i then for the second album no we did it we did the drums we did we did all the tracking it was great it was great but it's like you said it's got this fucking kind of weird feeling that's not that great you know and then i think the third it was same you know so now i'm going back to rob and i'm like I want to sit in this room with four or five people and fucking all of us do the same thing block and track live. And I know he'll do it. You know? Well, yeah, that's why, like, I mean, like, you know what? I mean, you know, usually when you have like a really good studio, that's what you do. But you're only you're you're everything else is scratch. You're doing the drums recorded. But because you're all playing at the same time together, you get that energy. It's you know, that live energy together. It's you know? totally yeah. different than me being in a fucking microphone booth going, I'm Bono right now. I think I'm Bono. Like, you know, that's what I do. When I go into a microphone fucking one of those booths and all, because he's got this fancy booth, all of a sudden I'm Bono. And I think these like A&R representatives are watching me and I have to make jump up and down and fucking do these things that like I wouldn't naturally do, you know? <laughs> so like, it's totally different. It's totally different. Yeah, it's kind of like, um, it's really funny, like, um, um, when we were recording a Bastard in the Bog, right, uh, you know, I was laying down, like, scratch vocals and stuff, but then, you know, when, when it came time to, like, okay, we're going to start actually recording your vocals, I was like, like, okay, okay, I, I got to get in this mindset, you know, like, this is this guy who's, you know, as the story in Bastard in the Bog is kind of open-ended, it's like, the sheriff was his, his, he's the bastard of the sheriff, you know, but did he kill the right sheriff? Because at the very end, he goes back in the sheriff's office to get another sheriff to, like, take him down the bog and shoot him because he's possibly just killing sheriffs because he doesn't know which one is his dad. So he's just like, all right, you're next. Come on. You know, like, so I, I kind of got this idea when I was, like, getting into, like, the character to sing the songs because, you know, on stage, I'm just like, no, I'm, I'm Fox, this crazy snake handling preacher, you know, guy. And... 
I was like, but I can't do that in this studio because it's like, it's just us. There's no like energy from the crowd and everything. So I literally just started thinking uh, there's, there's this really cool like scene in a, 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 you know, like behind the scenes of Jack Nicholson during The Shining and he's got the ax in his hand. And it's the bathroom scene. And he's just sitting there like shaking and going crazy. He's like, ax, murder, ax, murder. He keeps saying it over and over again. I'm like, I'm like, best from the bog, best from the bog, you know, like I am the bastard, you know, like to get myself into this character to sing and tell this story, you know, like, you know, so that's kind of what I did. I was like, no, I'm the bastard. I want vengeance, you know, like, yeah. So it was, it was, it was you know, that's what I kind of tried to do with the, you know, the character songs. You know, I love that. That's awesome. That's really cool. I'll tell so, you this. Oh, hello, Star Wars fan 7251. Greetings. Happy Monday night. I'll tell you this. I am so, the way that I write songs, I'm so outside of the box. Like, like usually I just got some kind of weird problem or some kind of issue that I'm going through and I fucking just write this shit down. Right. And then, then usually like when I'm in the recording studio or either I'm on stage somewhere where it's already been recorded and like, then I start to figure out what the song means. Cause I don't even know what the fuck it's about because I'm really just trying to work out the trauma. And then all of a sudden the trauma happens on stage. And I'll be honest, whoever's at that concert at that fucking particular time where they see me working out my shit in my head, it's it's not a joke. It's real. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Trying to work trauma out through therapy it's, instruments and fucking thrash yeah. around. And, you know. it, it, it's like I said about that song, Last Letter from Queensland, with that guy that came up to me, right? Like, like uh, when I wrote it, you know, uh, uh, when we first actually got it like set, this is this is everything. Let's run it. I started getting a little emotional in you know in our our band room, and I looked at Jose, and he was looking kind of emotional. I was like, "Are you crying?" Like I mouth like, "Are you crying?" He's like, "Dad," I'm like, "I don't know why." He's like, "Neither do I." You know, like because we made the joke, we were laughing, we're like, "We both have like father issues, don't we?" He's like, and like, "Yep," and. <laughs> And it's funny because, like, on stage, I'll get, like, this, like, I'll go from the, you know, evil songs, crazy, yeah, you know, to, like, right when Last Letter from Queensland hit, because I, I think that's one of the best songs I've ever written, lyrically especially. And I'll get this sad look on my face. I'll, I'll make my eyes get way bigger when I'm playing it, you know. And, like, you know, when that guy talked to me about it, he actually asked if I had kids. And I was like, no, nah, I don't have any children. And he's like, man, like, really? Because, like, this song is so, like, a fatherly thing. And I was like... I got father issues, man, you know? And he's yeah. like, I was like, oh, like, okay, I get it. You know, like, so it's like your your dad's story. I'm like, well, my dad never went to a penal colony or anything, but, you know, like, I, I use those emotions to tell a different story. And, you know, that's what I did. And, like, again, like, I, I love playing that song live, you know? Like, um, or like uh, Pollywog Bay, you know, like, <laughs> like, I'll see Facebook memories of me, like, in my poncho all, like, Eight in the morning, I'd woke up from a night of like drinking and writing, and I'm like, I wrote this new song. It's called Polywog Bay, you know, and it's about you know a siren. And you find out like she's hunting for this. This siren took the love of her life away from her, so she's hunting down the siren to get her, you know, her her man back. And then at the very end, when she kills the siren, the guy's like, What did you just do? I told you I wanted nothing to do with you. You just killed the love of my life. And she's like, Oh my God, I'm the siren. And then she goes and drowns herself in Pollywog Bay and becomes a, the ghost of Pollywog Bay. You know, it's the whole joke of like, Don't go down to Pollywog Bay and make out or something because the siren will get you. You know, like, so I wrote this and I was like, I want my friend Brittany to sing it because Brittany, like, uh, you know, uh, Brittany Hauser 
fantastic singer. She is amazing. And on stage, she plays these characters and she's fantastic. But she has this very innocent voice, you know, about her. And so she was like, oh, I can do this and this. I was like, no, I want you to keep that, like, innocent voice you have when you sing this song. Because at the very end, when I want you to say, I'm the siren of Pollywog Bay, it really means something. Because it's like, oh, she's been the evil one the whole time, but her voice is so pretty. And now it's like, no, I can hear the evil in it. You know, like, so. Amber you know, just, hmm? Like Amber Heard. I had to throw it out there. I was like, oh. <laughs> Oh, let's not get into that. I'm so tired of no, hearing about no, that trial. No, we don't have to at all. We don't have to at like, all. Like, oh, I don't even understand like, that whole thing, how she roped in fucking two, like, very interesting dudes. Like, that's all I can say. I don't have, like, you know, at this point, I don't give a fuck either way. But, man, like, I've been in some traumatic fucked up shit. And, and I know when people are toxic. And, and I'm not making a, a, a fucking... Uh, a judgment either way because I feel that people's own personal business is their own fucking personal business and I don't know why it's even out in the public when when I've seen one of your posts when the, the Gillian Maxwell isn't you know what I'm saying how come the Gillian we don't get to fucking watch that we don't get to see see her go like it was the Clintons or it was this person or it was it was fucking what's his name uh fucking Microsoft dude it was fucking like the head Microsoft Prince Andrew like Prince Andrew like we don't get to well, you know I mean Oh, I don't want to get like too much into this, but I mean, like, I told this to a friend. They said, this whole trial with her is like, this could take down empires because it's like, it's not just Hollywood. Okay, let's just do this real quick so we don't have to keep contagious. But imagine, like, they're like, no, we're investigating Clinton because of this, you know, now, right? Well, now they're going to have to investigate the Clinton Foundation for any money that was going into that. And then if they investigate that and they find corruption in the Clinton or Clinton Foundation because of that thing, now the whole Clinton Foundation crumble and then this person and this. And it's like... Not just Clinton because Clinton's almost irrelevant. It's, yeah, no, no, no. It's way... Trump, it's, it's, Bill, Trump it's Hollywood Bill Gates. People, Bill Gates. Like, fucking, his wife checked out, like, what, like, fucking, like, a year and a half ago or something. Like Right when that started coming yeah, out. Like, like, I'm fucking out because, like, because you know, dude, it's corruption. And you know, as an, uh, you know, you just clearly see it. It's no joke. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I watched the documentary on HBO and I fucking cried. I was, like, crying hearing these women's stories. And I was just like, oh, my God, like, what? You know, and that one reporter, like, fucking good for him who was not I was like I'm not giving up on this and like he caught Epstein outside of prison going to one of his like companies stuff and he's like hey I got you motherfucker like blah 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 yeah. I got you and like the yeah. warden got in trouble yeah. that whole prison got like yeah investigated like he had free passes they just let him go because he was huge yeah. people of industry and then you know uh, we won't go down the rabbit hole that much but remember when they said that the this was way before this was like 12 years ago they were like they somebody leaked evidence through like um like documents of the queen and like pretty much prince andrew and all these people having these sexual relationships prior to this coming out and then like it was in the story in the headlines for like one day and then the very next day it was like all of those files have mysteriously vanished. We lost them all. And you're like, 
fuck you, dude. We, we're like, okay, we may be dumb, but we ain't that dumb. And that just shows you the people with the money are the people with the fucking power. And, you know, the queen and all these yeah. fucks, dude, they got power still. Well, I mean, I, you know, I got I to gotta give Queen Elizabeth credit where she, like, completely was like, nope, Andrew, you're out. You, oh, yeah. know, you can't come to court anymore. You can't do anything. I got to give her credit for that because... Yeah, Queen Elizabeth is very problematic, but I mean, there's some stuff where I'm kind of like, mm, good for the queen, good for the queen, because like, like what was it? Um, uh, uh it was like a, a representative of, I, of Iraq or Iran uh, came to uh, England, and women couldn't drive, and Queen Elizabeth picked him up and drove him in the car to make a point, like, you know, nice. Well, fuck you, like, I'm going to drive your ass. And it's like, ugh, you know. And, you know, again, like, problematic woman, Princess Di, all that stuff. I mean, other things, you know. Oh, yeah, the fact that she killed fucking Princess Di, that's that's a whole other thing, dude. We're going I'm not. I'm not going in that rabbit hole. I'm not going in that one. I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. (laughs) Have you seen Jon Stewart? You like Jon Stewart on HBO? Fucking, dude, he said, like, that's his whole gig, dude. Like, four or five times he just said it. He's like, he's like, like the first time he's like, well, we shouldn't really talk about, you know, you know, the queen fucking killing Princess Diana. But obviously we all know by now. And now it's just more and more. And dude, he's from there. So, I mean, come oh, on. Oh, you mean John, John Oliver, not John Stewart. John Oliver. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. You got it. Sorry. What a mix up. I'm, I, I, John, <laughs> John Stewart's going to sue you cool. now, James. Yeah. John <laughs> Oliver. He is the fucking dude that I love, dude. I think that guy is fucking like Dude, he is so good, and that was a big mix-up. But you know, whatever. Like, I fucking love him, dude. He is—he's the best. There's a, 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 a going on something else about a like you know pride and feeling good about you know music and things. Um, I did have something um, really crazy happen uh, about uh, no, it was last year. Um, you know, because I'm Choctaw, you know, Choctaw Pride, Choctaw Nation, Oklahoma. Originally called Chata, but, you know, uh, white people said Chata, Choctaw, okay, you know, or something, yeah. But uh, um, uh, what happened was, is I I had never, like, because we have a certain newspaper for, you know, every member of the Choctaw Nation gets, you know, uh, a, a newspaper a month, you know, talking about, like, hey, this is what's going on with the tribe, this is what's happening. And I finally, I also got medicated for ADD. Can and you I think, explain you know, to people in London what the what the fuck that is? Because like here I understand, but like what is that that Choctaw tribe? Like, like oh, uh, Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma. Choctaw, the Choctaws and the Chickasaws were one of the first people to be pushed onto the Trail of Tears. Uh, you know, we lost our land. You know, everything. We were moved to Oklahoma. Now, if you want to hear some really good stuff, like this is a I I have such pride for this. You know, because I'm a very proud, you know, Choctaw. You know, I have it. I have the, the great seal tattooed on my back. You know, it's it, it, it's a tribe of Native Americans from Mississippi, and we were moved from Mississippi to um, uh, um, to Oklahoma, and I believe two thousand people died on the trail getting there. And uh, but the thing was, this is this is this is what I love. Um, so after the Trail of Tears, you know, we've been pushed off our land, everything, you know, my ancestors, and we were put in Oklahoma. Um, the Irish nation was going through the potato famine at the same time. So the Choctaw gave, I believe it was five or $10,000 of today's money back then, you know, like in, you know, inflation, everything like that. But it was basically around five or $10,000 
to the Irish nation to survive the potato famine. Wow. Like, he gave money to them. So to this day, there is a brotherhood between the Irish nation and the Choctaw nation still. Like, every year, the prime minister will come over and talk to the chief. The chief will go over to Ireland and talk to him. Um, children are taught you know, the history of the Choctaw Nation in Ireland, and then the Irish come over and teach the Choctaw children about Ireland. Yeah. There's a huge monument. It's huge. It's this this, this big, you know, like white, translucent, you know, feathers monument. And on it says, thanks to the Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma for saving the Irish nation during the potato famine. And they, like, it's still going on to this day. And, uh, you know, I'm going to take my mom and my grandfather's ashes over there one day and I'm going to, you know, sprinkle them because they always wanted to go see it, but they couldn't because health reasons and money reasons stuff. And I'm, I'm going to put their ashes there at the, uh, the monument. Yeah. Wow. And then I'm going to ride a motorcycle through Ireland because <laughs> that's yeah. what I always wanted. No, that's awesome. <laughs> so, I'm very but, Irish uh, myself. So, like, dude, that, like, hearing that. Is yeah, like- yeah, look it up. Choctaw Nation and Irish Nation. It, it's, yeah. it's an amazing story. Yeah. Uh, but I, I finally was like, I have never used my Choctaw heritage for a band or anything, you know? And I think it was kind of apprehensive in some ways, you know, to like not be that guy. But I ended up emailing them and this, this one guy who uh, he was in charge of like, you know, arts and entertainment. He was like, oh, my God, like, OK, you're a Choctaw in California and you make this music. And I'm like, yeah. So he called me up and interviewed me, found out I did comic books and stuff. And he, he was like, I'm so glad, again, like what we've been talking about all night, serendipitous moments. Holy. He was like, he was like, actually, it's weird that you hit me up because next month is all about arts and entertainment. That's what the Bishnick paper is all about. He's like, it's so weird you hit me up. And so yeah. we did this interview and he asked, you know, does your, does your heritage affect your music? And I'm like, yeah, you know, there's, there's stuff that comes out with, you know, especially, you know, being Choctaw and, you know, talking about like storytelling is a big thing in culture, you know, like, you know, telling stories and, you know, putting them in the fire. And I was like, and that's what I do musically. And he's like, Hey man, I really love your band, you know, this and this. And, and we had an interview and it was, it was really great that like, I saw my name in the paper of my, my, my my heritage, you know, my my people and stuff, you know, and, and you know, uh, not to get well, sad here, but I really wish that my grandmother and my grandfather had been alive to see that moment, you know, because it was just like, no, you are. I mean, I'm a recognized member of my tribe, but it's like now I'm a recognized artist of my tribe. Okay, can I so, say something, dude? I'm a I'm a hokey person. You might call it crazy or not. They bro. Like, I know it's great. I know they're not here, but they, they have seen, they know, like, they know that you are, you know, and even just because they're not in this physical form, somewhere on the other side of that fucking black hole in the multiverse, they know, you know, and yeah. that's the thing, me too, like, dude, my grandpa was like my most important fucking thing in my life, and he never got to see me rock the fucking whiskey or do anything like that, but I know that like in the back of my fucking heart, he's somewhere going, he's rocking a fucking, you know, whiskey. That's some cool shit, you know? So, I, yeah. you know, keep, keep talking. Cause I got to piss and I don't care. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's, been funny years. Yeah. Um, it's really, you know what? Th- this was another thing though, that like, um, 
the show we played right before COVID, we played with a you know a friend of mine, Jason Charles Miller. You know, I'm gonna throw him out. If anybody hasn't heard Jason Charles Miller, fantastic voice actor, uh, great band, um, like dark country. You know, uh, he's he's amazing. Uh, I mean, he's done songs for Final Fantasy video games and stuff. You know, and uh, we played with him, and we also uh, uh, we opened. But right, you know, after was uh, the Heathen Apostles, and there, you know, if you like goth music, you know, if you like Fox and the Red Hairs, you're gonna love Heathen Apostles. Uh, the Heathen Apostles is uh, the guitarist. He was the bassist of the Cramps. Oh, you shit. know, holy shit! And so they do like this amazing dark Americana music, and we played with them at um, uh, the Whiskey. And we thought, here it is. This is this is the moment. Here it is. You know, we yeah. got we got two bands that match with us, yeah. brotherhood, sisterhood. This is going to be amazing. And then a week and a half later, COVID lockdown happened, and it just it 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 just sucked because it was like that door seemed to be opened, yep. and then it closed. You know? And I still talk to Jason, you know, and everything. I mean, he's still kind of like doing his shows, and you know, like just starting to do shows again. So like, but hopefully, like you know. Things have definitely yeah. changed. Even for us, like, dude, Julia right there, you know, she's she's uh, she's in London. And, yes, we've, uh, you know, dude, for us, for COVID, we were going to fucking go straight to London and play. Like, I, I asked him, like, the dude that books our shows, I'm all, you got any hookups in, in Europe? And he's like, yeah, I do, you know? He's like, it's a little costly, but I got the hookups. And we were going to fucking, we were going to go. And then... Now, I don't know when that's going to happen just because things have just changed and that's just the real, you know? And but that's what I'm stating is like, but that's the thing is like, <sighs> people want to see live music now because we've been stuck inside. We've done this. It's like, it's no, you know, and I'm not talking down on DJs because I'm a DJ, you know, but it's like, it's no longer just like, hey, I just want to go to the club and dance. Like now people seem to want to actually interact and feel music, live music again, you know? And and be around other humans and feel their energy. That is a lot, yeah. you know, it really is. Like, yeah. um, fucking, I remember it was like, it sound the groove. I don't know if you ever played for them, but but Jonathan Avila. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John yeah. just, funny enough, John hit us up on Saturday and said, hey, are you guys ready to play? And Luca's like, actually, we are about 10 minutes away from playing our first show in two years. He's like, oh my God, I want to get you guys back. This is so great. This is like, again, serendipitous. Everything <laughs> Yeah, so he, dude, what I was going to say is he, that guy makes the fucking best parties, right? So, like, what I, what, some of the best shows in my life have honestly been through him. And what I mean by that is, like, you know, we, he booked a place where, like, Jane's Addiction has played several fucking times, the, um, somewhere in LA, and, and you'd have, I forget what it's called, Bardo, the Bardo. Okay, so he would he'd do the Bardo, which is on the other side of the Avalon Theater, the big fucking Avalon Theater. And so you basically have the Bardo fucking here, and then you, on the other side of the wall, like, he would have the concert here, then the other side, there'd be, like, a rave going on. So, like, fucking dude, you know, we'd be rocking out, or whatever band would be rocking out, and then as soon as you were done, you could just go and fucking start dancing all night long. And, dude, I, I wasn't a big dancer until those those sound the group shows then all of a sudden i'm on the fucking dance floor because i just want to be around people and i just want to have a good time and i think that's yeah. really what we want to experience without dying yeah. You know? yeah you know like you know i think a lot of things changed you know a lot of people like figured out like like no and especially 
You know, I think, okay, I saw this meme, you know, that when COVID restrictions are being lifted and it was like through a promoter's perspective or perspective. And it was like, hey, just, you know, just remember, like, we haven't had shows for a year, this and this. Don't ask to get a bunch of your friends on the friends list. Don't do this and don't yeah. do this, right? Yeah. But I was like, kind of like, okay, cool. That's great. So you're going to start paying your bands then, right? Because if the promoter's getting paid, the bands get paid. And if I want my girlfriend, you know, well, when yeah. I get a girlfriend, you know, on the guest list, if my friend's wife or fiance wants to be on the guest list, guess what? They're going to be on the guest list. You know, yeah. like, and you're going to pay us still because that's one thing we should l have learned from COVID is like this pay to play stuff. This like, oh, uh, you know, kind of like it, it, we're giving you uh, exposure. That's gone. That should be gone now. It's like you. you pay us. Yep. We're giving you entertainment. Yep. And we are. And when you don't have that entertainment, you don't have the draw, you know? No, you don't. I know. Like, believe me, I <laughs> And so that's the cool thing about Jonathan. I think he knows that too. Oh yeah, John's always been like really good at respecting his bands, and he's a great guy. You know, I fucking love that yeah. dude. Like I thought, Sound the Groove was over for a minute, and I was like kind of really bummed. You know, I was like, I hope he didn't quit. Like I saw that he was doing some other things. I'm like, he's so good at throwing parties and just fucking yeah. you know, having fun. I mean, he helped us like move equipment on stage through this tiny little like Hobbit door at you know the House of Blues in San Diego, like. He's just, he, he's like one of those promoters that's not like, oh, hey, uh, yeah, cool, you guys are on time. Uh, how did get I on forget? Stage. Dude, how did I forget that show that, like, remember we played fucking, it was a, it was a sound the crew in San Diego. I broke that guitar. Fucking the, the black strat. You guys were out there. You guys picked, like, dude, yeah, I forgot all about that. There's pictures of all of us. Dude. Sitting on the couch, all just hanging out with each other, yeah, you know? Like, yeah. This quite a long time like i forgot about that until you know we start mentioning it that's a trip bro see it's like um um i think i i think i brought this up last time i always bring this up anything i interviewed i always have this envy of uh because you know i you know I, I like to read like books about music scenes and stuff and you know one of my favorites is uh legs mcneil's stories of like please kill me and we got the neutron bomb and I love these stories that these bands, they would hang out together, take pictures together because it was cross promotion. They would talk about each other. They would, they, they'd help promote each other. You know, like there was a brotherhood around this scene. And I think that kind of went away for a very long time. It was more like, no, we're, we're you know, in conflict with each other. Like, you know, uh, we're in competition. And it's like, no, we shouldn't be in competition. We should be helping one another build and grow and get a following yeah. and like you see like oh the screamers and the weirdos you know and stuff uh would help each other out my my favorite story of this is the damned and the damned is one of my favorite punk bands because you know and you know back in the day it was like you play three chords you don't try to be led zeppelin this is punk but the damned could do that and still have these operatic you know theatrical songs and still be in the punk scene you know and they had come over from england to la and all of their shows were canceled all of them and they were like we have no money to get home we have nowhere to stay so this it was the screamers of the weird weirdos said come stay with us at our 
apartment in LA. And so they lived with them and they got them shows. And even to this day, when you go to a damn show, Captain Sensor will be like, you know, hey, buy merchandise. We need the money because it's an old joke to that people would be like throwing like beer cans on stage or something. And he's like, hey, we don't have money to get back to England to get home. If you want to throw something, please throw money. And people started throwing money on stage. And that's how they got back home because the screamers or the weirdos booked them shows because all their shows were canceled and got them shows. And they actually got enough money to go home. And I was like, "That's, that's musical brotherhood there. That's us not challenging each other that's just helping one another and that's what more bands need to do you know of course i know funny that you say that because steve jones is i'm back to this book steve jones is one of my favorite albums is the damn you know and uh you know same thing one of the one of the things that he said was like you know what this is what fucked me up too like he's like what what makes a lot of bands famous is like when they're falling apart you know, he's like, he's like, when you're up on stage and like fucking people just see that like the drummer hates the fucking bass player, they're like that intensity keeps shit going. And I'm like, that'll never be. I mean, I've had that in my band, but like right now I'm super melancholy. Nobody's fucking like I, I love everyone that I'm making music with. So it makes it super fun, you know, and, yeah, and- Luke, Lucas said something about that. He was like, yeah, you know, like. Every band that's about to break up, that's usually when they make their first, their best album, blah, blah, you know, this and this. I was like, Lucas, don't jinx us that way. Let's just say we make great music because we work well together. Let's not go down that path. But it is true. I look at, like, my favorite band of all times, fucking, it is Jane's Addiction, right? Like, they're together, yes, but, but up until, like, 91 like up until 91 there was a there was eric avery dave navarro steve perkins and fucking and and perry right and then and then they made their greatest album which is ritual okay and then Lollapalooza fucking happened and then they fucking quit and then like dude it was their best shit ever and then realistically if they would have stayed away for all those times and never came back, they would have been the most legendary motherfucking band on the planet. But, you know, money talks and fucking now Perry's worth a lot of fucking money and you, what are you gonna do? Money, you know? There's, a, there's an episode of How I Met Your Mother. Um, I won't go like into the full context, but basically it's like they're at the Natural, uh, Natural History Museum. Uh, Lily, you know, Jason Siegel and Allison Hannigan's, you know, characters are like talking, but he's like, He's in a uh, an extinct thing, like, oh, it's College Marshall. He's extinct, you know, because she's like, oh, you work at this, like, global bank. You're not trying to save the environment, you know, this whole thing. And it's a really sad, wonderful scene. But there's one thing bringing that up, which is hilarious. He's, he's like, you know, well, you know, I'm extinct, like Jane's Addiction. And she's like, actually, they got back together. He's like, you know, it's like College Marshall. He's like, what? Was it amazing? She's like. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll just let you think that. Because it was like, yeah, not a lot of people like that new album, you know? Like, But she's yeah. like, oh, College Marshall, sure, you know? And I was like, that's a little poke to Jane's addiction, but, like, I like it as a funny joke, you know? Like, But, but you, so. it's, you got a good point, because it's like when you're breaking up, there's, like, a reason why. Either you're not making money or something else is happening, you know? And I feel that, like, Jane's addiction is about to make some new music now, and and personally i'm interested to hear what it, it will it'll sound like but i feel that when bands are desperately trying to survive like i think the music industry industry is completely different now than it was then and i think these people oh, you completely. know 
you know, they, they really needed to fucking make it. Like, I hear these stories, like, where, like, there was no option. It was like, if you were going to be a fucking musician, you had to steal equipment. You had to fucking do these things to, to make it. Because if you didn't, you were going to be fucking homeless. And me personally, dude, I got a job. You're, you're a fucking bartender. Uh, fuck, and I'll tell you this. Somebody walked up to me, too, and it was some famous fucking musician. I forget who it was. I was just done after a show, and uh, they looked at me, and they are like, that was great. And they are like, uh, do you have a job? And I'm like, yeah, I'm a UPS driver. And they go, oh, so you are a musician. And I go, what do you mean? And they go, so you're a full-time fucking worker, and you're also, like, you're, you have a full-time job, and you fucking work. He's like, that's a real musician. And, and anybody that thinks in this today's economy that they're going to go around and fucking be Taylor Swift, you know, it, it's not that fucking realistic. Yeah, you know? I mean, gone are the days of, like, Led Zeppelin having their own private jet with Led Zeppelin written on it, you know, like, unless... You know, you become like Jack White, where like you get big and suddenly you're everywhere. But I mean, like, um, he's like, an exception to the rule, and that motherfucker's been yeah. doing it so long too, like probably almost twenty five fucking years. Yeah. So, like, that's the thing: the investment, the investment yeah. that he's created is a whole but, thing. Yeah, but now it's like almost like we don't need a record label because we have social media; we can easily contact someone in new york we don't need a, a music business person to you know to, to say oh we're gonna hook up a show in new york you could literally make your own tours you can call these people you know a good manager would be great for the hairs if he's watching you know the ones be our manager um but uh uh you know it's just like you know but all these different TikTok things famous. if you got tiktok famous right like if exactly. one of your songs hit fucking tiktok Dude, you could get paid like you were fleet with Mac on the fucking ocean spray juice, yeah. you know, dude. And that's why, like, there's this, uh, there's this certain country singer I've been following for like probably a good three years, I think. Uh, her name is uh, Sierra Sierra Farrell or Sarah Fer C I, I believe it's Sierra Farrell, and she does like these old country western, like real not like stadium country, like. June Carter, Patsy Cline songs. She's amazing. And the thing is, it's like she has like a septum piercing tattoos on her neck and face, you know, stuff like that. You know, and it's like this is the modern Dolly Parton. You know, this is this this is you can have piercings, you can have tattoos, you know, everything like that, and still be a country western singer, you know, yeah. and She's amazing, and she finally, you know, like, the last, like, year, she has, like, she is selling out every show she books. Like, it sucks that she doesn't come here to, like, you know, California and stuff, because all I see is, like, Tennessee, you know, New York, this and this and this. But every show is, like, tickets are on sale, sold out. Tickets on sale, sold out, sold out, like. Wow. Sells out everywhere she goes. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah, if you've never heard her, check her out, because, like. Definitely amazing again like it's like she's the new dolly parton loretta lynn you know patsy klein you know uh uh tammy tammy stand by your man yes <laughs> yeah she's fantastic and it's That's like, right. and it's got, cool to I, be like i'm oh, sorry James. I, I got a fucking uh, just a random question i don't know what it, it, it this where this came from but okay recently sting made a comment where he said that 
bans are young men's games, like teenagers' games, and that musicians like, you know, us or older than teenagers should just be like, you know, solo acts. How do you feel about that? I got in a big fight on fucking uh, Facebook about it so much where Melissa had to come and be like, stop fighting with people. Stop fighting with people. What do you think about that? No, I, why? Like, why? Okay, so you're a solo act, right? Like, that That. That just sounds ridiculous because you're a solo act, okay? You that still have a back. Behind you. That has musicians behind you, right? There's a bass player. There's a fucking drummer. Yeah. There, so, I call these bands, and that's where I got in a fight with some guy. Some guy's like, no, that's not some pompous fuck. Comes out, he's like, that's not a band. This is it. So then I Webster Dictionary's band, right? And I threw it in there, and I'm like, a band is a group of people, especially musicians, coming together, playing instruments. That's a fucking band. So fuck yeah. thing and fuck that. <laughs> I'm pissed yeah, at that, 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 that is a ridiculous comment because then it's, it, that, you know, and I like Sting, but that, that kind of sucks because it just means that, like, he doesn't have respect for his backing band. They're just his band. Yeah, They're hired. He makes the music and they just play yeah. it. No, you're, you're a band. And while like, he's um, in the from 26 to 32 years old, by the way. 26 to 32 years that's no fucking teenage game right so that's where i was kind of took offense to it i was just kind of like because dude i'll be in the band well, the day i fucking die you know i don't yeah. care i like it it's extended family it's people i exactly. love it's people i want to be around well, it's like okay so okay you have a solo act Let, let's take in let's like buddy holly in the crickets or johnny cash in the tennessee uh three right yep he still was like oh you're going to see johnny cash yep but the band was still named in it. Yep. And, of course, they were, like, backing people. Like, Bootsy Collins, I forget, uh, the Funk Explosion, the Funkadelics, Bootsy Collins and the Funkadelics. Like, he was still like, oh, I'm going to go see Bootsy Collins. But his backing band exactly. was on the bill. Yep, you exactly. know, like, And the thing that I love is, like, so when uh, fucking Johnny Cash would do that, like, the, the Tennessee Three would sometimes just go up there and be the Tennessee Two, and they would fucking play a whole set. So Hope Sandoval has done some same shit, too, where, like, okay, you have this opening band. I forget what the fuck they're called. Whatever they're called, right? Some opening band. And then, you know, you see Hope Sandoval's full band come out, right? It's, their whole, it's just not her. And then all of a sudden, yeah. they, they play a full fucking set, and you're like, wow. And then all of a sudden, they go away for about two minutes, three minutes, and then they all return, and then Hope comes out, and you're like, fuck, that was dope. <laughs> you know? Like, even even this is uh, recently, like, you know, the first concert I've ever been to, you know, was recently since COVID. And um, it was a Japanese pop star uh, called uh, Kari Pomyu Pomyu, right? Nice. And I was supposed to go see her when COVID hit. But of course, you know, when COVID hit, we thought like, ah, oh, it's going to be like two months. And we'll be out of it. It'll be fine. Yeah. You know? Well, we had tickets. She had to cancel her show because she couldn't fly from Japan to America and go back. So it was done. Two years goes by. Her tickets go on sale. We immediately get tickets. She played Coachella. Witten played this small venue in L.A. I, I can't remember the name for my life of me. And then the next weekend went back to Coachella and played her set again. But what was really, really cool about her is she had a backing dance group that would, you know, they had their little, you know, pop star, like, you know, you know, dance stuff, you know, that like Katy Perry does and sync and everything. Yeah. So there was a moment where 
one of her songs came on, she walked off stage and they just came out and they just did all their dance moves because she was spotlighting them. Like these people are great dancers. Yeah. This, this, they deserve their time in the spotlight. So for four minutes, they were just dancing, doing their stuff. And then she came back on in a different outfit and like sang more songs. And I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. You're, you're giving these people their time in the light. You're Karu, you know, Karu Pomu Pomu, this big pop star. But you're giving your dancing band time to let them shine. That's you know, right. like that's amazing. Like yeah, that's, that's, that's really everyone. That you know, I agree. and Sting saying that, uh, ugh, I, I've lost some respect for him for saying that because that's that's not right. That's not right. Like you no, respect everyone. No, it's true, and I, I respect everyone that's been watching us for the fucking last hour. Yeah, guess, thank you, thank hours. you, y'all. Like okay. you know, who, who is it? Julia, it says that we got two people. So Julia, and who the fuck is the other person? Like, I've been reading all your comments, by the way, Julia. I see them. You are amazing. Who is the one other person? It shows two, but sometimes these things lie. But I just want to know, because we're, I know we're wrapping up on almost two hours. So <laughs> fucking, I just want to make sure that this, this gets, gets because um, I'm going to upload this onto everything. So I'm. this is the first time I've ever gone, like, almost fucking two hours, dude. It's super fun. When you, when you and me start talking, it's just no, I, two chatter boxes, you know? Like, <laughs> I, have, I could just keep going. You know, I really could. But I want some fucking, like, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I gotta get some Del Taco or something. I'm fucking hungry, dude. First time to pee. Now I'm hungry. And DoorDash is gonna get $1,000 right now. So, <laughs> you know. It's okay. One more time. Where are you guys playing again? Where are you guys playing the next those two, next two shows? Give me that. So uh, uh, May twenty first for the Witches Brew um, at Escape Brewery in Redlands. Um, again, if, uh, like and follow uh, the Witches Brew. It, it's Witches Brew Los Angeles uh, on Instagram, but they do more shows out outside of Los Angeles and everything. And uh, we're going to be doing that um, May twenty first with for them, and it's a uh, scream themed. So it's going to be a lot of, like, artwork for, like, Ghostface, this and this, you know. Then uh, Lithica Cascadia, uh, for anybody who's in Washington, you know, or close to that area, uh, Portland and stuff, you know, Oregon, um, we'll be doing the festival that's five days, and 60 bands are playing, and we're playing Friday the 19th at 4 o'clock, and then we are uh, getting a show together on the, uh, the, the, the 19th, um, in Oakland, and we haven't set up a venue yet, but it will be with Hex uh, Cassette, Hex Cassette, or Cassette Hex. I think it's Hex Cassette, and uh, we're going to be working on that. And then, I mean, who knows? Um, like, uh, pe people have been hitting us up and, like, wanting shows from us, so we're just kind of accepting Not a fun pretty much anything. That's a yeah. fun feeling. I've had tons of people. When are you going to play? When are you going to play? Like, and almost I like the suspense. I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. One day, one day, that the one show that I have my eyes on for real is like fucking. I think Robbie Krieger's coming back to like one of the local places around here. So, you know, dude, I, I of course love the fucking Doors. Like I love them so much. I'm sick of them. You know, like it gets to that. You know, when you love something so much, you've heard it so much that you. But still, just being around that fucking legend. That see, that'll pull me out of the hole. That's what it is. Like I don't want to play shows until something like Robbie Krieger's fucking in the building and then all of a sudden it's just my free excuse to go see a show and fucking 
play and open for that fucking person, and that's the best, dude. So yeah, which is when you guys fucking announced you were opening for Robert Krieger, I was like, you bastard, you know, like, you know. But I was like, damn, that's so fucking cool for them. Like, I'm so excited that they have this opportunity, you know, to do that again. Fuck competition. It's about exactly no, straight up, dude straight up and that's why like eventually like i don't know this year or next year but we will do definite shows together bro i can't fucking wait i love playing with you like i said you're like the clash to our ridiculous sex pistols and you know i fucking love you dude i really do man with, straight i love you too james like and i, I love hurting the heartbeat you know and I, I i've i've been a fan of you guys since day one like even when we saw you at dollhood i was like yep this is ours this is our this is like yeah that's why I, you were one of the I, you were one like i i still have to give like 15 other people that same shirt because i sent it to like you cat you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I put your I name on the cat. back you know fucking dude cats is awesome so like dude i just yes. <laughs> yeah yeah so james hurt in the heartbeat yeah so yeah I'm, i think it's hilarious that like jose and lucas uh because people were commenting like hey check out like you and cat like check out my shirt and like, oh, how do we? How, and the people are like, how do I get this shirt? And like, Jose commented, like, yeah, Justin went completely rogue one night and just bought a bunch of people these. We don't sell these. He just went rogue and bought a bunch of people these shirts. And I was like, yeah, you know. But then I got like fifteen other people like, hey man, how much is that shirt? How much is the tank top? And I'm like, uh, well, it cost me like. I'm not going to say, but a certain amount of money, you know. And they're like, I, I'll pay that money for it. I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I, you follow us enough of this, I'm just going to send it to you as a thank you for being, you know, supportive, you know. Yeah. And that's, that's why I bought those shirts, you know, like, because it's like, no. Uber comfortable, by the way. Uber comfortable. All your gear is always top notch. Even your other shirt I still have, like me and my chick fight over wearing it. It's getting a little short because <laughs> I've had it so long, it's shrinking. So she's kind of taken over, but I still just love wearing it too. So, you know. Fucking love you guys. And, dude, I'll have you back on the show soon, straight up. Make a number four. Fucking, I don't know, next season. We'll do it up. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right, brother. Check out All Fox right. and Red Hairs. This has been Justin. Justin Fox. Justin Lee Fox. Fucking love you guys. Tell tell everybody I say what's up. And uh, you guys have a great night. This has been What Does It All Mean podcast. Bye, everybody. Thank Bye. you again for watching. Thank, Thank you, you James, for having me on. Fuck yes. Thank you, Justin.